This is By Its Cover, a podcast journey through movie night for a married couple using only the covers of movies available on Amazon Prime, Netflix, and other streaming services. I'm one of your hosts, Kevin Eggleston, here with my lovely wife, Bree Eggleston. And today we're going to be watching 2000s, I'm assuming, Best Picture winner. Oh, I'm sure it won all the awards. Just every Oscar. They actually renamed the Oscars the Supernovas that year, I heard. Yes. In case you're not knowing, we're watching 2000's Supernova, starring James Spader and Angela Bassett. Which, by the way, I was opposed to knowing, but Kevin did say that we it, judge it by its cover, and it's very clear. I'm, I love me some Angie Bass and some James Spay. I mean, I don't think anybody calls them that. I'm going to start it. Uh, that's the only way I'm going to refer to them throughout this podcast. James Spa and uh, Angba. <laughs> no. If other people can have smush names, I can have just cut in half names. <laughs> My new thing. So I'm Cat Egg, and uh, I'm here with Bru Egg, and we're going to be watching Supernova. Bree, can you describe a little bit about the cover? So before I read who's in it, it was very clear that there were two awkward faces in the upper portion of the cover. Looking in different directions. Looking in different directions with big, bold whites of their eyeballs. And in the center of it looked to be a purplish blur that as I got closer to the cover kind of looked like a ship. It looked like the ship from Firefly. That's exactly what I was thinking. So maybe we're going to find out that Joss Whedon did a little plagiarism oh. with James Spa and Angba. <laughs> uh, but I think the dominant feature which I think was a bold decision from the graphic designer who put this together, is the fact that the tagline for this movie is in size 80 font. It's even bigger than the title. It, it, it is larger than the title. The tagline for this movie, which is way too wordy, is all hell will break loose. Which I feel I wouldn't necessarily associate hell with space travel. I don't know. It, one of my favorite horror movies is Event Horizon. Oh, yeah. You have made me watch that. I let you. I <laughs> chose to share a part of my life with you. And this is how you bet betray me. You <laughs> repay me with betrayal. Words are tough because I am hurt in my heart. <laughs> so we're going to take a break. We are going to turn around and watch Supernova. Bree is probably going to be mad at me for this pick, since I also picked the last one. Did you? I feel like it was a joint decision, but I pushed you over the edge by saying Bobcat Goldthwatt's name right. Oh, you did that well. All right, so we'll be back in a few here with uh, some spicy opinions about 2000's Supernova. And we are back. We've just uh, finished up Supernova with James Bond and Angba. <laughs> and uh, Bree, first off, 
What'd you snack on during the film? Uh, Kevin, you were so lovely as to get me some Reese's Pieces. I did get you some Reese's Pieces, some Reese Peace. Mm, no. <laughs> now, everything needs an, a short name. Uh, mm, no. <laughs> and I had a Hostess Fruit Pie. Ho Pie? <laughs> fruit Pie? Ho Pie? <laughs> I like it. <laughs> Hofipa. Um, nah, no. It doesn't work. No. But I saw it, and uh, immediately the first thought in my head was, huh. They still make those. And so I got it. Not bad. This is not an advertisement. This isn't a plug that we're doing. I just think I need people to understand that uh, we don't make good choices with movies and we're not going to make good choices with our foods. I disagree. Reese's Pieces are delightful. Okay. 50% of the people in this conversation disagree with that statement. So jury's out. (laughs) If you're listening to this, and you uh, find it on our Twitter, which is by its pod on Twitter. Please feel free to comment on your thoughts on Reese's Pieces. Let us know where you fall in the Reese's Pieces debate. Uh, clearly, I am right. She is wrong. But we don't have to go over that. All right. Free Supernova. Yes. We watched it. We had thoughts about it. Can you give me like a two sentence summary? Of what you thought of it. I'm sorry, two certain summary of the plot. Okay, so I would say that uh, Supernova was a sexy, deep space, action-adventure sci-fi movie. She did it in one. Yeah. So sexy, deep space, adventure, sci-fi movie. It did have a lot of sexy sexiness in it it did like from the get-go that is i mean i will always watch a movie uh that the opening 20 seconds include uh just a shot of lou diamond's philip or lou diamond phillips's bare ass yeah like that should actually it should be its own rating like it should go g pg pg 13 r nc 17 x and then lou diamond phillips butt Okay. Luda for butt. No. <laughs> We're not going to keep doing that, are we, Kevin? Uh, I need a flow chart to remember which <laughs> ones are which. Um, what I loved about this movie is it uh, allowed Brie to play her favorite game whenever we watch movies, which is what other bad thing has this person been in? Yes. Oh, my gosh. This movie was riddled with awesome people that tend to be side characters showing up in this this film. I mean, right off the bat, when we're getting introduced via montage to the crew, I was like, ooh, that's Ricky from My So-Called Life. And this brings me to my other favorite part of movies, which is, I don't know who the hell she's talking about <laughs> 95% of the time. But I do have to say, you recognized Robin Tooney from The Mentalist, and you called that out before I did. Maybe because her boobs were on the screen, but... I didn't say that's why I recognized her. I "I know those areola. Can't tell the face, but know me some nips. Uh, No, I just know that she always has this perpetual sad face. Yeah. I think she has really big eyes, which is, I'm sure, very evocative of emotion, but that emotion always seems to be near tears. Yes. Um, and we also got a shredded James Spader in this. Yeah. 
which I've seen a lot of James Spader stuff. I'm a big fan of James Spader. My mom is a big fan of James Spader. And I'm not sure if I've ever seen him in a movie where he he looked like he got jacked for this. It, it, he did. Also, gross. Okay, you have a multi-generational <laughs> James Spader man thing. crush in your family. <laughs> yep. Oh, yuck. Uh, Sorry, Mom. I'm out in you there. <laughs> she's allowed. They're the same age. Oh, I guess that's true. I'm not trying to shame you, but... No, this was... James Spader's 40 right around in this movie, and I, I almost feel bad, because how would you have felt he did... All that working out, got in all that shape, probably had to give up gluten or hostess fruit pies. Probably didn't even get a singles Reese's piece. He didn't. <laughs> no piece of Reese. And he, well, he could get a piece of Reese uh, <laughs> with those abs, I'll tell you. But does all that work, and it's for Supernova. Yeah. It, let's be clear. Not a terrible movie. Actually, I enjoyed it. Yeah, it definitely wasn't awful. But it also was not great. It wouldn't be one of those ones where you would show your your grandkids and be like, look, guys, look at how fit grandpa got for this deep space sexy sexiness. <laughs> it's no Princess Bride. Not many things are. Uh, it turns out <laughs> since they never did a sequel. <laughs> so we have... James Spader, who is a recovering drug addict. Yes. Uh, the drug's name, whether you need to know this or not, was Hazen. Which, in my own head, I'm thinking the whole time, what if that's just the future's name for Nutella? Because I just kept thinking hazelnut. <laughs> uh, I know it was supposed to be like space heroin, but I'm just going to think he got real deep into a Nutella binge. And they were like, James, you're going to lose them abs. So he goes to rehab. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. He is sitting at a table at the start of the movie with Angela Bassett, who, oh, by the way, they're on a medical transport, right? Isn't that what they're doing? Yes. And um, she's judging him for him being a recovering Hazen addict because there's this backstory about a guy that she once loved who went down the Hazen addiction pathway and she had to break up with him and it was very deep and emotional for her. Uh, but then he hands her a bottle of pills and says, here, count these. I haven't had any. Was that supposed to be Hazen? No, it was her giving him a drug to help with the withdrawal symptoms. Oh, okay. Because they looked like Anison, and I'm like, that's what drugs look like? <laughs> Space drugs. Not pretty. Might be just Nutella. <laughs> yeah, no, it was, she said, here, this will help because Hazen's tough to kick. And so she gave him basically sci-fi version of, like, Narcan, I assume, or something. And his, showing his mental fortitude Decides not to take the thing that the doctor gives him. <laughs> that wins them over. Uh, anyways, they're they're a, a medical frigate that then gets a message directed directly to Angela Bassett's character. Yep. And a distress call. A distress call to for emergency medical services, and it's from Carl Larson. Carl Larson. And she says he's the worst human being she's ever met. But what's weird 
is that it is a distress call that's not a general distress call. It's specific to her. But also, it's from a mining operation that the government had closed down on this really remote moon like five years ago. The moon had been flown or flung out of orbit. Yeah. It was a rogue moon, so it had been traveling through space because I assume that can happen, and now I have a new existential thing to fear. Yeah, that was kind of scary. And uh, so they they go, but they have to, to get there, they have to jump through dimensions. Yes. And. AKA warp speed. Yeah. Their version of not getting sued by Star Trek. Yeah. Or Star Wars. (laughs) The 2000s were a litigious time, I assume. (laughs) So they go through space. Wait, wait, wait. We need to, it's important that we talk about how they do the jump because that is a major plot point. True. So they do these plot or these jumps through very ill-defined science. It's kind of like mixing sleeper pod space travel with wormhole space travel. Mm -hmm. And then also they bring in a little of uh, Jeff Goldblum's The Fly into this with some DNA. They, I mean, this movie sets up a Chekhov's gun and some foreshadowing and then immediately wants to deliver on it. Yeah. So they go to on this distress call and the captain. I'm not done yet because I think this is really important. They're a medical transport pod that has these capabilities to do this dimension jump and they have six pods, right? Yes. So they have six pods, six crew members. To start with, well, one of the pods is malfunctioning, but I think my biggest concern, if they're a medical transport uh, vehicle and they're going to save people, but they only have enough pods for the crew, that's telling me that if they have to go rescue anybody, they can never do a dimension jump because they don't have enough pods for any more people. Right. They have no safety margin for error. Exactly. In any of this. And I got the impression that they only dimension jumped because it was so far away that they had to cover that distance so quick. Right. So they go to jump. And the captain switches seats with Anjba. Yeah. And in the jump, we get a bunch of quick cuts, little shots of foreshadowing not even foreshadowing it was the mining characters that they're going to rescue and it was them all dying and discovering this thing and then also some foreshadowing like clips of other plot points that never actually get really like fleshed out yeah and they well done it was I a guess. little long, though. It was. Uh, yeah, I think they really wanted it to be this impactful scene to show us the risk they were taking. And it was basically like somebody was really proud of the lightning effect that they were doing and yes. wanted to show it off. <laughs> so the, they they come out of the dimension jump and the captain who switched uh, places with Angela Bassett, we find out he was in the defective pod yes. and ends up fused to it. Oh, it's gross. That's where your reference to Jeff Goldblum's The Fly comes in because he's like all spindly and stuck to the pod. 
and it's it's gross. It looks like a bunch of tentacles, honestly. Yeah, uh, it was definitely an Akira type situation, uh, just body horror. But they had just the minute before this happens, make make a joke about how two people went in the same pod, and when they came out, they were fused together. So again, movie sets up a little bit of foreshadowing and immediately has to pay it off. And then it, it comes back towards the tail end of the movie again because they were like, we have this effect. We just have to pay, pay it off. Uh, actually, let's, we didn't really talk about the crew. The opening of this movie, to establish character for all these people, you have the doctor, who is Angela Bassett, and you have James Spader's character having some kind of not nice banter. Yeah, they definitely were... Uh, standoffish towards each other. Yeah. But, you know, James Spader's got his shirt off, so we know it's fine. Yeah. He's, we're okay with whatever he says, because James Spade's got some pecs. Yeah. I also like the, uh, whoever the costume designer on this was, because they clearly created the costumes to emphasize all of the right angles, planes that happen on a person's body like they have lines right underneath the pecs and the boobs so they look overemphasized true and we meet the Lou Diamond Phillips character mm-hmm. and your mentalist girl yep Robin Tooney they have names I, I what their character names choose are not to remember let's look at imdb.com Yurzy Yurzy Yuri Yurzy for Lou Diamond Phillips. Yeezy. Okay, Yeezy. We'll call him Yeezy. Okay, and her name was Danica. There we go. So they are having sex. Yes. And then we also cut to one of the other technicians on the ship who is woke up by the ship's AI. Awoken. Awakened? <laughs> Sweetie, the ship's AI's name is Sweetie. We don't remember real people, but Sweetie will remember. Well, they do reference her name a lot. They yell it a lot, but she wakes him up to play chess, and he and that ship gonna fuck. Yes. Oh, it's very clear that she has a crush on Ricky from My So Called Life. It is mutual. Yes. Uh, That is very clear. That man has probably stuck his penis in at least one outlet on that ship yeah his name was benj sotomayor i assume he was related to the supreme court justice that's where my mind went absolutely descendant and then we meet the ship's captain who is supposedly doing his doctoral dissertation on tom and jerry tom and jerry early 21st century cartoons which just frustrates me because they point out that these cartoons were banned because they caused violent impulses. <laughs> and it's just this weird trope in sci-fi movies where they like to point out that our fiction and our culture glorified violence. And I'm like, I don't... Movies like Supernova are what could point out that you glorify violence. <laughs> Leave Tom and Jerry out of this. Okay, so anyways, we uh, hit this dimension jump, come out of it. Not only is the captain fused to the pod he was in... But they're also in a massive gravitational pull from a blue giant. A sun-going supernova. Yeah, and that that is where the title came from, I'm sure. Yeah. And anyway, so half the crew is trying to fix the captain, which 
BT dubs, you know that's not going to happen. Uh, and then James Spader is rushing to the top of the ship to try and get the uh, ship from having to get pulled into this blue giant because of the gravitational pull that it's causing. Meanwhile, a uh, debris field hits the engine and they lose massive amounts of fuel. So he's having to use the docking station thrusters to try and get them out of this gravitational pull. It was very intense. It was it was a riveting scene with the two sets of the crew trying to fix two totally different situations that clearly have uh, limited time to do so. We are overplaying the rivetingness. I enjoyed this. it. But they they stabilize everything and they find out that they've got enough fuel to keep the ship in the air for 17 hours and 12 minutes, yeah. but not enough to rescue themselves. But it'll take exactly 17 hours and one minute for them to be able to dimension jump. Because the dimension jump has to recharge. So they emphasize multiple times there's only an 11 minute gap. And the movie goes on for 17 hours and one minute. No, it doesn't. It did. <laughs> Felt like. Okay, but let's let's hop back real quick. The captain, they don't save him. I mean, you've said that. Uh, he dies. Just, he, he full on smushes. That's what not saved means. He, he splat. Right, okay, yeah, we didn't think you were using like a weird metaphor here. Like... They didn't save him f from coupon prices. <laughs> we understood what you meant when you're like, BT dubs, they don't save him. So anyways, we're like, okay, well, we're at the point in the movie where uh, we've got this drama of this 11 minute gap. And then we're going, hey, how, what are we doing for the next 17 hours? And then a pod comes. Yeah. And uh, a guy with surprisingly high cheekbones is the sole survivor of the 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 rogue moon and he is the person that sent the distress signal but he's also got a strange alien artifact mm -hmm. and we're gonna take some jumps here because really nothing is all that interesting about this character like he's there uh he thinks he's doing a marvelous job playing like an evil mastermind type <laughs> character like he thinks the actor, not the character. The actor, you can tell, is clearly in love with this idea of, like, I am this devilish type person, and he is not that person. Like, you would cast a Peter Stormare or somebody else besides this, but instead you got what I can only assume is a Gap model. No, I've seen him in a lot of things. I've seen his cheekbones in things. Like, you could open cans with them. <laughs> but... He also, this artifact, which Lou Diamond Phillips touches and uh, he in, touches. inserts himself into, like he fisted the artifact. Oh, full on. Uh, and has a euphoric encounter with it. Excellent uh, color choices oh, for yeah. it. It was beautiful. Uh, and just for the record, we've seen people fuck in this movie. Yeah. Uh, we've seen, we can only assume, man on ship action. <laughs> and now we get... A couple instances, like it repeats through the movie of Lou Diamond Phillips getting freaky with a statue. Yes. Um, so this character comes in, tries to play like a Machiavellian scheme, but just every scene he's in, he's half smiling. Mm -hmm. 
even when he they find him like collapsed on the deck of the ship, he's smiling. And it just makes me so mad because I'm like, you can't play your one scene serious. You just have to almost giggle your way through these things. <laughs> but it turns out uh, he says that he's the son of this Carl Larson Larson guy. And it turns out that actually the artifact emits a radiation that changes people. Makes them younger. Makes them younger, faster, stronger. And... Also able to uh, shoot little space energy with their knuckles. Yeah. Yeah, it was weird. So, bump up, He is actually Carl Larson. Big reveal. Angba is flabbergasted by this reveal. Which makes me wonder how old Carl was the last time she saw him. Yeah. She doesn't recognize the younger version of him. <laughs> so... He starts picking off characters one by one. First, mm-hmm. he gets rid of James Spader's character, but doesn't kill him. And he breaks like rule number one of being a supervillain, which is confirm your kills. Yep. And he doesn't do it. Uh, then he kills like first he seduces. Danica. Yep. And then kills her, mm-hmm. which you got to think makes her feel a little stupid. Yeah. Okay, her last thoughts were probably like, oh, should have seen that one coming. (laughs) Uh, Then we think we're going to get like a good showdown because Lou Diamond Phillips has been engaged in amorous dalliance (laughs) with sexy space artifacts. (laughs) And he's starting to undergo the change and like, maybe we're going to get this epic fight between them. And we get nothing. Not, Not a thing. So that most of the film is Angela Bassett just... Her and James Spader trying so hard to bring this movie some some gravitas to it. Yes. I mean, just they worked. They earned their paycheck. They I mean, sure did. Everyone earned their paycheck in this movie, except for Cheeky McCheekbones. Yeah. Um, but they tried hard and it just wasn't gonna happen. So we do I think we do need to talk about Benj's death just real quick because it really does emphasize his love for Sweetie and her love for him because he locks himself in a what I assume is a sealed see-through chamber to get away from the bad guy, Carl. And he asks the ship, Sweetie, to uh, go against her programming and vent the area that Carl's in. And she said, I can't. It's against my programming to hurt humans. He goes through this logic with her that ends up with them yelling that they love each other, and then he dies anyways. Yeah. It was kind of this weird moment where the AI passes the Turing test. Yes. Like, becomes sentient, never gets addressed again. They never even talk to Sweetie after that. Nope. (laughs) Really. And she doesn't help. Nope. You know, she learns how to be sentient and override her programming And she could, at any point, now that I think about it, have vented the atmosphere or done something to stop this guy. She's convinced herself to become self-aware and then chooses not to. (laughs) Because I assume she's going through the seven stages of robot grief. (laughs) Like she was just, I don't know, in her little digital mind palace, eating some Ben and Jerry's, listening to sad songs. (laughs) 
I'm unreasonably frustrated now that we've mentioned that as a point. <laughs> okay, so James Ba comes back from... Look who's doing it now. You're welcome. The uh, the moon that he popped down to see if there was fuel and got stranded there, but comes back at the last minute to save Anjba. Yeah. He shows up in his spacesuit, and he puts on these clamp, like a clamp, which it's supposed to be the jaws of life. Yeah. But it's really, I don't know if they intended it to be an homage to aliens. Mm-hmm. But it's just low-budget Sigourney Weaver <laughs> in the mech suit kind of look to it. Yep. And uh, he, they finally capture Carl in a, a cell, like a cage, that really shouldn't be able to hold him after they cut off his arm. Mm-hmm. Carl can reattach arms. This, And they find out that this artifact is actually a bomb that will go off and it will not only destroy everything in a solar system, but it'll also repopulate all the elements necessary for life in a solar system. And it, again, the amount of reaction that they have to this is they handle it very well. Yeah. Because they point out that it's this end or ninth dimensional energy Mm -hmm. that's coming out of this thing and it can do all this stuff. And Angela Bassett assumes, and we have no reason to doubt her because it's never contrasted they put a lot or conflicted of math with up on the screen. Yeah, because <laughs> they're like, this audience came here for the sexy sexiness. They didn't come for like a a deep theological debate about the existence <laughs> of aliens. But she assumes they're aliens. It's a weapon that they plant, and it's their way of wiping out any civilization that can travel in space. Uh huh. Because they'll take the artifact, they'll take it back home. And what we get is them fighting over this bomb that they want to prevent from going off or at least get away from. Carl wants to take it, take it to Earth and sell it and make money. Carl, as he's discovering that he can reattach limbs, heal from gunshot wounds to the head, mm-hmm. he's younger, faster, stronger than James Spa. <laughs> um, he also starts to change in... They decide to start trying to like make him show that he's physically morphing due to the energy that's in him. And their best way of accomplishing this, they're like, we're going to give him yellow contact lenses and put makeup over his eyebrows. He looks like he has no eyebrows. He does. He looks like uh, a partial burn victim. Yep. No offense to any burn victims. But no. Like he loses his eyebrows and they kind of like a half Joss Whedon, Buffy the Vampire Slayer vampire yes. transformation is what they were really That's going for. That's really where my mind went. Yeah. And it does not look good on him. No. It just made it. I feel like they were like, we need to show that this character is transforming into something evil. Let's make him look like he got stung by some bees. <laughs> so that's what they do. And they finally lure him. Oh, also it's revealed this character that's been doing all these Machiavellian manipulations of people, supposedly better, faster, stronger than a human, is apparently a, a goddamn idiot. Mm-hmm. Like James Spader comes back and just tri- it becomes a Bugs Bunny, a <laughs> Wiley Coyote, Wiley Coyote, Tom like, and Jerry. Yeah. Oh. Oh. Oh God. Uh, did, did this movie have deeper philosophical underpinnings with Perhaps. that? Perhaps. Yeah, no, we're giving it way too much credit. <laughs> um, but they trick him by taking a robot 
with the artifact and luring him into this beautiful observation deck that up to this point in this movie has only been used by people to have sex in. That's yeah. It's like the sex chamber, which Brie, what are your thoughts on zero gravity sex? Where is the leverage? True. Yeah. In space, no one can hear you thrust. <laughs> or is it nobody can help you thrust? Is that yeah, zero gravity does seem like a terrible place to try to <laughs> make magic happen. So they lure him out there. The bomb goes off. And James Ba and Ange Ba rush to the only remaining safe Dimension. Dimension jump capsule. And they have a debate about which one of them is going to live and which one's going to die. And they said, oh, we'll chance it. Let's both get in there. But they both have to get naked, too. Oh, yeah. That's a major plot point. Because you have to be naked in there else your clothes will fuse to you. Exactly. Which makes sense. Science. So they get in this pod and they jump through space and we get a bunch of smash cuts of... Sperm and egg. Yep. And the bomb going off. And the bomb going up. Metaphor. <laughs> and then when we they come out of the dimension jump, the thing opens up and we find out that James Spa and Sweetie Angela, comes back. Sweetie yeah, tells Sweetie us. Sweetie finally got over her grief. She She's comes a robot. Back. Hallelujah. She processes things quicker than us. <laughs> she has a lot of data. Yeah. <laughs> And she tells us that you've had a 2% genetic swap. And you see that their eyes have swatched, swipped, swapped, switched colors. Were you going to say Swifford? I don't know. Uh, Swifford colors. So they both have one brown eye and one blue eye. Which I'm glad they decided to go with the eye color switch because I'm sure in the original cut, they're like, we're going to put James Spader in blackface. That's how we're going to show <laughs> no. that he's changed. Incorrect. Better choice, the eyes thing. <laughs> so you think that that's it. And then Sweetie congratulates Angela Bassett on being pregnant. Because now there's a baby in her. Yeah. Because it created life. The bomb did. And also like. Genetic swapping, I assume. I don't, it doesn't make sense. It really doesn't. But then also they point out the bomb went off. It'll reach Earth in 51 years. Yeah, so despite the fact that they've gotten away. And Sweetie's like, yeah, we don't really know what's going to happen. There's a chance it's either going to incinerate the Earth or it'll make humans better. Yeah. So we're kind of left with a cliffhanger. Yeah. And you wonder, are they going to tell anyone? Are they going to? Let anyone know. <laughs> Who like, would believe them? Well, but they're gonna have. They're gonna die in in that fifty one years. I assume, like, yeah. or close enough that it doesn't matter. But their kid that they just made is gonna be alive. <laughs> like, oh yeah, we were a. Ba I was a bang baby. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it was a big bang. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, nice. Good pun. High fives. So, did you like this movie? I actually really enjoyed it. Oh, that is good to hear. I picked well. Uh, I thought it was trying to ape on Event Horizon, which came out in 1997. Oh. Both medical ships. Yeah. Both emergency stress uh, calls. Both shenanigans going through dimensions. Mm-hmm. Uh, I almost was like, is this was this supposed to be Event Horizon 2? 
but they were some the screenwriter was like, you know what? I'm not going to do this movie if you make me replace my sexy space artifact with a hell dimension. <laughs> so he stuck to his guns and we got Supernova. <laughs> I I liked it. Uh, I was intrigued. I didn't get bored the whole time. Um, I really thought they did a beautiful job of coloring the space when they were in it. The blue giant was gorgeous. Um, Not terrible special effects yeah, for 2000. Yeah, exactly. Terrible lots of other things. <laughs> but it was a good kind of bad. I mean, we've all seen movies where it's just bad, bad. No, this is one of those ones where I definitely like, I understand how this got made. I understand why they made it. Yep. It just was never going to be that, take that next step. Would you recommend this movie to anyone, Kevin? If you have a hostess fruit pie <laughs> and you're willing to settle, you can watch <laughs> Supernova. That's how we kind of got there. <laughs> All right, Bree, before we uh, take off, anything you want to add, plug, promote? Sure. Uh, subscribe to our channel. We're going to continue doing this because we quite enjoy it. Uh, you can also go on Twitter and find us by its pod. Yeah. And check us out there and let us know what we should watch next. If you've got a movie that you think's got a good cover and nothing else that we need to know about it, let us know. Have a good night. Thank you.